Welcome to Disco Coolia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Disco Coolia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Disco Coolia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. Good and bad questions. Disco Coolia is more than a math struggle, a great math lesson. Do not drill those timetables and making those fractions easier. This is our podcast for week 35 in 2022. We welcome Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Disco Kuya Services. She's going to help us make some more sense <coughs> of those short links. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Great to see you. We have wonderful links for the week and really want to have your understanding and your explanations and views on it. Um, now, the first one is about good and bad questions. They've always told me there, there are no bad questions. So everybody, every well, presenter always says, well, you raise your hand and say, well, maybe this is a bad question. No, there's no bad questions. Exactly. That means there is no bad questions from the audience, from the students. If there is anything that's bothering them that they don't understand, they should feel free to ask. But this is about the uh, teacher asking questions and this is a post from an organization called teach thought and so the questions that they feel are good questions have children think they have open questions and uh, students should feel happy to Volunteer an answer, even if it's not the complete uh, answer. Mm -hmm. So let's give a few examples. Um, If you ask, did you have problems with math for a long time? Which is a closed question, meaning you can answer with yes or no, but not giving a lot information, right? So when you would ask, now, can you tell me? when your trouble with math began or maybe add and what were those troubles students will be encouraged to share more information now the team at teach thought uh, gives a great little guide uh, with items you should include in your questions to make them more useful and also what you should better avoid so Uh, They also refer to their guide for classroom questions and have a nice graphic to make it all easier to remember. So let me give another example. As a good question uh, is any question that encourages ongoing inquiry, that makes your students think. Well, the opposite, so a more uh, a bad question that is less useful, would deter from thinking and just ask do this or do that or give this uh answer and then the whole thing stops okay okay so there's no dumb questions from the children but there's dumb questions that teachers can ask they need to encourage more than encourage like like how could you do that or why did you do it that way exactly or um do you know another way to figure this out and that will give you more insight in their thinking yeah good Good. Very nice. Very nice. The um, 
the next link says that this calculia is more than a mad struggle. Now, how is that? I thought that this calculia was a mad learning disability. Yeah, right? most certainly it is. Um, but there's more to it. So this is from the team at um, uh, Brain Balance. So Brain Balance, sorry. So the learning disorder here. Um, uh, the dyscalculia, the math uh, LD, has mostly challenges that affect uh, a student in a classroom, but also daily life outside the classroom is affected. So some school-aged children with dyscalculia have trouble memorizing not only numbers, but also symbols. And they say here it's making it more difficult for it, them to remember the meaning of signs and symbols uh, that they see um, on the road, so to say. Ah. And, and the, the, the example they call here is a stop sign, although I have to say that both <laughs> the shape and the color and the written word stop kind on it is kind right. of um, yes. uh, explanatory. So they, they, that is maybe not the main. It sounds a little bit like I have dyscalculia, so I couldn't understand the speed sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, 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 no. But um, what they mean is that we should not only look at the multiplication tables and, right. and the calculating of percentages. Right. It there, there's a so lot better going than their on. whole life. All exactly. These right. So another thing is that they might be chronically late, okay. since it is really difficult for them to learn to how to time. tell a time yes. or, or read a clock, but also doing calculations with time having uh, 12 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour, instead of the regular calculation that is only based on, on 10. And that, yeah, that makes it more difficult for them. And finally, children with um, dyscalculiar the math learning disability um, struggle with any strategy games that their classmates might enjoy. So they have trouble playing many board games and also chess and checkers and, and card games that have okay. uh, numerals on them. Okay, okay, okay. So it is indeed, it goes further than just a mad struggle. Exactly. It's trouble in their whole life, actually, and also affecting their social interaction. The, um, the next link is about planning a math lesson. What can we learn here? Now, this is from uh, Melissa D, who calls herself the Dean of Math. <laughs> That's good. And, but she shares a very nice graphic that details the parts of a math lesson that you should prepare before uh, the school year is in full swing. So what she mentioned here is planning your math block. And she has four parts that she feels are Important. So as part one, she says, do an active warm-up. So a number talk, a little puzzle, a logic puzzle, some mental math so that uh, they start to um, get, their, uh, get their brain working. Then for part two, work on understanding. And that should be rich tasks that actually have some exploration in them and uh, word problems. But also, you need to explain it um, in direct instruction. So that is 
basically your new learning. Mm -hmm. Then she says that the third part uh, should be focused on consolidation of that um, knowledge. Of that new knowledge, right. And that can be done um, like in a whole class discussion. And what you need is building the understanding of the student. So that is the task of the teacher also, uh, asking some guidance uh, questions and trying to uh, uncover any misconceptions they have and explain uh, why some things does not uh, work that way. And then for the, the last part, what we have mostly in, in, in all our lessons is, is uh, practice. It should be purposeful. Um, and you need to be careful in, in selecting the problems that you want your children to do. So to um, this is a very nice put it setup. together, she says yeah. that my three key things are collaboration, doing questions, and communicate. So... And it encourages also students to take notes. Uh, like I said, checking for misconceptions. And um, she, she has this, um, this overview that is easy to work with uh, for teachers, I think. Well, when you start your, um, your planning for the year, and obviously most textbooks have a year planning, but how to actually shape it, shape an, an actual lesson mm -hmm. that this might be uh, helpful. Okay. Now, our next link is a reminder not to drill those timetables. So, what should we do instead? Okay. So, this is very close to my heart and is uh, very important if you want to help students who struggle in math. So, this is an article in Advances in Social Sciences Research Journal. Um, by uh, Jonathan Brendefor and, and his colleagues. Uh, it's already a little bit uh, older. It was The research was done uh, at Boise uh, State University in, in 2015. Okay. And they again found proof that drilling topics doesn't work without... Um, children understanding what they're doing and, and having strategies. So let me read um, their overall conclusion of a study of uh, 282 students in third, fourth, and fifth grade that they gave a five-week intervention every day, 10 to 15 minutes working on uh, multiplication. And they did a pre-test and a post-test of 30... Um, multiplications from 1 till 12 and the children got one minute to write down as many multiplications as they knew. So what happened, what was the result? Um, that students using the strategy-based approach, so who were allowed to first use like counters, an array, then an area model, mm -hmm. and eventually working on numerical uh, memorization of the multiplication facts did actually better 
than those that were only directed to do um, bare number fact um, multiplication without um, without the uh, strategies and the explanation how you could uh, get to an answer by, for instance, using uh, a fact that you know to reason to a new fact. As we know that 5 times 8 is eight is 40, then you can use that to figure out that 6 times right. 8 means right. one right. more 8. Right. So that must be 48, right. even if they did not uh, retrieve that okay. from memory yet. So I feel it's just a shame that not many developers of programs and apps that so much focus on just get the, the drilling, answer fast yeah. and correct without any um, yeah. explanation of how you get the answer that, that these are still around uh, so much. Yeah, it's typical that this kind of research just doesn't trickle into the practice actually. Well, it brings us <coughs> to our last link, and uh, and that link talks about making those fractions easier. Now, how can we do that? Because that is very worthwhile. Okay, this is uh, from Edutopia, and they have an article about a new way to make the fractions easier. And it is by using the well-known multiplication chart. Right. And we have used this uh, method. It is basically uh, folding your... Uh, multiplication chart so that you have different rows close to each other. For instance, if you uh, look at the multiples of 2, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, and 14, and you also look at the multiples of, say, 5, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, and you fold your um, multiplication chart in such a way that the row of the um, two multiplication facts is right above the five multiplication facts, you see all those equivalent the fractions, two-fifths right. and four-tenths and six-fifteenths yeah. and eight-twentieths. And that means that you basically multiply your numerator and your denominator with the same number because that is this is all based on skip counting, right? Yeah. Very this nice is, approach. Yeah, very nice approach. It will help children get a broader view on the fractions and, yeah, also shows them how closely related to multiplication and division the, the fractions are. Fractions yeah. are. Yeah. Right. yeah, very nice. On the website, you can find uh, a graphic uh, that illustrates it, my dear listeners. Well, thank you, Dr. Schroeder, for your insights and your support uh, of our, our links. Uh, we hope to see you again next week. Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services, always here to help us with our links from Discoculia headlines. And she wants to make sure that there is a lot of awareness around um, Discoculia. And for that, she has a training that you can take. And all the information about that training to become a Discoculia tutor is at discoculiatutortraining.org. Disco Coolia Headlines Weekly is a production from DiscoCooliaHeadlines.com. You can find us on the web at DiscoCooliaHeadlines.com and we are on Twitter at DiscoCooliaHead. You can also find us on Facebook, we have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for DiscoCoolia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. 
You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.